What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. <laughs> Yo, tale of the tapes podcast episode number eighteen. I'm laughing at that today because. I was just talking to my boy Paul about that intro last week. A lot of people don't know how I came up with that. And it was as genuine as could possibly be. So when I heard it just now, that shit had me cracking up. And uh, I was actually just talking to him right before I came on here to record this too. So shout out to my man Paul. Yay! It's pretty nice out today. It's May. Last week it was hailing. Today it's nice out. So the vibes are pretty good coming from this end. And uh, today we're covering Guru and Cool G Rap. Guru and Cool G Rap. Today actually starts a new year, the last year in the 80s. We're up to 1989 now. It definitely feels like it went quick. Season 1 is nearing an end. It will end sometime in June, probably middle to end of June. Um, And then we'll take a break until January, and then we'll pick up in January with Season 2, which will be the 90s. Now, as far as Guru... For anybody that doesn't know who that is, more people probably know who that is than they realize. My one boy used to love him, and then when I told him I was doing Guru in the study, he's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, bro, you love Guru. A lot of people just assume that that artist's name is Gangstar, and it's not. Gangstar was the group with Guru and DJ Premier, DJ Premier being the producer and making all the beats. So I just want to clear that up before we get into anything that Guru is the rapper from Gangstar. Um, but he did have solo work or whatever, so... You know, again, DJ Premier not included in this, not a rapper, so he's not really going to be brought up today, but shout out to him. Primo is my favorite producer, so shout out to Guru, shout out to Gangstar, and shout out to DJ Premier. Um, Let's get into a little bit on Guru first. As I said, both of these artists came out in 1989. Guru was out first. Birth name is Keith Edward Elam, born July 17th, 1961 in Roxbury, Massachusetts, United States. I believe he's the first rapper from Massachusetts that we've covered. So expanding even a bit more now in 1989. You know, we spoke about um, Will Smith being the first one, I believe, out of the the NYC area, really. Or one of the first ones, at least. And then we had the scenario with Ice-T, where he was born on the East Coast and moved to the West Coast. Then we had NWA, who were the first rappers that were born and raised in the West Coast that we've covered here. I'm not saying that these people are the first ever. Um, if they were, that was definitely noted in my breakdowns of these people, but I'm pretty sure to my memory off the top of my head that this is the first rapper that we've covered from Massachusetts. So right before the nineties here, we got, we got people coming now from a lot of different places. We got Philly, we got the New York city area, Long Island included and stuff in there. We got Massachusetts, we got California, stuff like that. So expanding a bit here. Um, and he died April 19th, 2010 in New York City, New York, United States. So, uh, I believe Guru is the second artist that we've covered that's deceased. Him and Heavy D, I believe, were the only two people that we've covered so far. So, rest in peace to both of these legends, man, for real. Rest in peace to Heavy D, rest in peace to Guru. I, I was a pretty, personally, I was a pretty big Guru fan. You know, not, not one of my favorite rappers, but I did have Guru albums and I did listen to him, so... Uh, His genres are listed as hip-hop and jazz rap, and we'll get more into that jazz rap thing in a bit. Years active are listed as 1986 to obviously 2010, which is when he passed away. 
Um, he did have something, I believe it was last year, with Gangstar, with DJ Premier, who I'm sure had a lot to do with whatever was put together on that album. I think it was called One of the Best Yet, which was a sample that he used in a song, Gangstar, One of the Best Yet. So they named the album that. That's obviously an album that's come out, you know, long after he's been gone. So I will have to really look into that and figure out the details on that album. There's a lot of things that come into the discussion here when it comes to me either including or not including albums from after people died. It was spoke about in the intro, but just to touch on it again really quick, off the top of my head, I'm not looking at any of these rules that I have written down or anything, but I believe... You know, if the artist was alive and making the album and then it just happened to come out after he died, that's obviously going to count. Artists that really made albums like a Tupac or people like that who made a lot of material before they were gone kind of on purpose to have, you know, left around for people to make after they were gone and stuff like that. Those count. Biggie's Born Again album did not count because... That was made years after Big was gone. He really had no hand in that album whatsoever. And the real main reason that it didn't count is because I listened to it and scored it. And it was the lowest scoring album out of all his albums. Now, I don't pick and choose what I want to do there. But Biggie did have a classic album. He had a, a, a definite classic and a borderline classic. So... When somebody has a classic album, I am not going to include an album that was released after they were dead if it is a detriment to their overall album score because they proved while they were here that they knew how to make a classic album and I'm not going to let somebody else just taking their audios and and you know making an album out of it and that shitting on their album score. So I will have to look into this Gangstar album to see if it uh if it counts and qualifies for the study and if it does you know, Guru's position will probably be changed a little bit one way or the other. So we will just retouch on that and recap that. If it ever comes up again, I will talk about where he was and where he was moved to and how that album affected him and stuff like that. Getting into a little background on Guru. Keith Edward Elam, July 17th, 1961 to April 19th, 2010. Better known by his stage name Guru, which is a backronym for Gifted Unlimited Rhymes Universal was an American rapper, producer, and actor. He was a member of the hip-hop duo Gangstar along with DJ Premier. He was born in Roxbury, Boston. About.com placed him on their list of top 50 MCs of our time, while The Source ranked him number 30 on their list of the top 50 lyricists of all time, saying, quote, Guru dropped some of the most thoughtful rhymes on wax, end quote. So... Not too much there from Guru, man. I spoke at the end of last week's episode how I believe both of these guys today are going to be pretty interesting because they're both guys that if you walk around to a random person on the street and you say, hey, do you know who Guru is or you know who Cool G Rap is? I don't really think your average person is going to say yes. You ask who Will Smith is, they're going to say yes. Granted, it might be for acting or whatever, but they're going to say yes. You know, you ask most people who run DMC is or things like that, whether they listen to rap or not, most people are going to know who these people are. That is not really the case with these two guys today, but we're going to have a lot of guys who it's not really going to be the case that a lot of people or a lot of, you know, common average people know who they are that are not really big avid hip hop fans. We're going to have a lot of those guys, but what we're probably not going to have a lot of is people like this who... When it comes to commercial success and being a household name and stuff like that, 
they're relatively low on the bar. But when it comes to talking to other rappers, both of these guys are very high on the bar. So we have like a contrasting thing here where the popularity and the commercial success and things like that is gonna probably pull them down a little bit. Whereas the impact on other actual artists um, and rappers and things like that is probably going to be very big. So I'd be curious to see how the numbers play out today and, and where they finish and stuff like that. With that being said, let's go to Guru's list. Let's hit random. And this is a Gangstar song. So this is Gangstar Much Too Much. So actually a lot of things to talk about in that first verse. And most of what we're seeing here is relatively common from Guru. So he says, other MCs in the place know I'm much too much. And I'll bust them all up without even cussing. So this is something that Guru does a lot. The first line really is, if you read it on paper, the first line really ends with I'm much too much. And then the second bar starts with, and I'll bust them all up without even cussing. So much and cussing doesn't rhyme. But what he does is he creates a run on bar here where he says much end. So it's just a one long sentence. Other MCs in the police know I'm much too much and I'll bust them all up without even cussing. So much and cussing. So I want you to notice that he's going to do that a lot. So it is definitely a shortcut. It's a, it's a bit of a cop-out. It's also a run-on bar. Now, you do have two syllables on the rhyme, and obviously the bars lead into each other well because it's really all just one sentence. Then he goes on to the next line of saying, All wannabes are never ever going to be nothing. Gangstars in the house and we're crushing. So suckers better get up on their P's and Q's in. Competition come against me and you're losing. So again, he does the same thing. You have the all wannabes are never ever going to be nothing. Gangstar's in the house and we're crushing. So you got the first two bars is really just one long sentence. It's a run on bar. It obviously leads into each other well and makes sense. It's really just one sentence. He continues on with two other bars that are the same rhyme pattern with muchin', cussin', nothing, crushing. So you still have the two syllables. Really mostly just one rhyme per bar. Then after that he says, so suckers better be up on their P's and Q's and run on bar. Competition come against me and you're losing. And he did the same thing. Q's, losing, doesn't really rhyme, but Q's and losing. So again, a little bit of a cop out, a shortcut, but he has had two syllables on every rhyme that he's done so far. I'll use a simple style just to catch you snoozing. Wake up, wake up, kid, read the news in. So he does it again. You got 
Muchen with cussing. Then you got Cusin with losing. Then you got snoozing with newsin'. So, I mean, we're halfway through the verse. He's had three or four run-on bars, and he's used the same shortcut about three separate times here. So, pretty much every other bar, he has a run-on bar and uses the same shortcut to do it. So, that run-on bar picks off off with, Take heed, because you need to see how battles are won when a real man displays how it must be done. That's a pretty good two bars right there, because you have... Take heed, A, because you need, A, to see how battles are won, B, when a real man displays how it must be done, B. So you have an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there with four rhymes on the two bars. They all are only one syllable, and it is an A, A, B, B, as opposed to an A, B, A, B. We talked a couple of times about how it's harder to mix up the letters and give a different type of rhyme scheme as opposed to A, A, B, B, or something like that. But definitely a much better line there than the lines that preceded it. There was no run-on bars there. There was four rhymes in it. They were only one syllable, but they made sense. They led into each other well. He didn't take the shortcut or the cop-out. So pretty good bars there, but nothing great. And I snuff bum MCs and keep the cash flow coming. And never had no problems getting women. First of all, the bars... They're not totally random. It's not that they don't make sense, but they don't really have anything to do with each other. He's kind of just naming random things. I snuff bum MCs. That's one thing. I keep the cash flow coming. That's another thing. I never had no problems getting women. You're just naming random things, and coming and women is really a reach for a rhyme. So I would say at this point, unless he bangs out these last four bars and crushes it, this is probably a verse here that is, is close to pushing this to below average. There's just too many run-on bars. There's, you know, uh, two bars that don't rhyme. There's mostly just one rhyme on every bar. There's a lot of shortcuts and cop-outs being taken here. So just a lot more bad than good, particularly on this verse. The only really thing that we've seen good here on this verse is he hasn't said anything that, like, didn't make sense. He hasn't had any bad lines. And most of his rhymes have had two syllables on them. Then he goes into, I'm like a catalyst causing a chain reaction. Dopest vocalist and now the main attraction. Then he goes on to say, Things turn gold at my slightest touch. That's why the people say that I'm much too much. That's a pretty good line there. It's nothing amazing or mind-blowing again. And it's very simple. Just the one rhyme per ball, one syllable per rhyme. But again... Even though it was basic and simple, it's a pretty decent line, and it's definitely better than a lot of the things that preceded it. I don't, however, think that he did enough to really carry him out of that little hole of, you know, four run-on bars and three or four times using the same shortcut and the same cop-out. If he would have done something else, like had some crazy bars in there, or he maybe would have used the same rhyme scheme the whole verse, like too much in, cussing, nothing, crushing, and did that the whole entire verse, then maybe. But all the run-on bars coupled with the same shortcut being used over and over again and the two bars that really didn't rhyme at all, I didn't think he did enough to carry him out of that. So I would say that, in general, this is probably a little bit below average song. You also hear on the hook, all he's saying is, I'm much too much. That is something that I can't say that I remember him constantly doing off the top of my head. I don't really remember him 
just repeating the same word over and over again on a lot of hooks. I could be wrong about that. Again, I did him a while ago and I've studied, you know, close to 125 artists at this point. So I'm going to get some things wrong off the top of my head for sure, but I'm not going to get any of the things wrong that I write down. So with that being said, let's get into the second verse here and see where he goes with it. I'm much too much. Yes, the brother who's progressing A pizza cake, I'm frosting A salad, I'm dressing Never dressing or guessing Or messing around, man Just turn up the system So the beat can be found in Bouncing out your radio My vocals surround it Take a trip uptown And come back down and Kick it with the fellas That I call my crew So I'm getting kind of fat Like a big, huge sumo I figure that I'm due And it's true Cause you know I rap it this nice Out of clock mad dough Got the stuff from the baker But the lucho, the paper I set up shop And drop gems and catch them later Cause I'm like keeping it moving Improving steadily, pump it kind of loud in your blazer or Cherokee. Doesn't matter what you drive, automatic or clutch. Just pop in my tape, cause I'm much too much. Okay, so that verse did seem like it was a little bit better. Let's break it down and, and find out for sure. But it definitely did sound better than the first one. He says, Check the G U R U. Yes, the brother who's progressing. If beets are cake, I'm frosting. If salad, I'm dressing. That's a pretty dope line right there. You only have the, the two rhymes on the two bars, but it is two syllables on each rhyme, and that is a dope line. I mean, it's it's not, again, it's not mind-blowing. It's not amazing, but it makes perfect sense. If beets are cake, I'm frosting. If salad, I'm dressing. So he's basically saying, like, you could have something dope, but put me on it and watch what happens to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure you have plenty of people who eat salad without anything on it. But salad's the type of thing where you could give it to somebody plain and then be like, oh, I don't really like this. And then you could say, here, try it like this and put dressing on and give it back to them and then be like, yo, that's actually really good. So that's that's definitely a good line there for sure. Never stressing or guessing or messing around, man. Now, he has stressing, guessing, and messing all on that, that one bar right there. So already you have three two-syllable rhymes and we didn't even get to the end of that first bar there. And it also goes back to the other two bars. So in three bars, you have progressing, dressing, stressing, guessing, and messing. All inside of three bars. He says, so I'm never stressing or guessing or messing around, man. Just turn up the system so the beat can be pounding. Now, it's a little bit of a reach for a rhyme, around man pounding, but he pulls it off. He says it well. I'm not going to shit on him for that. Eminem is a master at doing that where he says things a certain way and it does rhyme. So I'm not going to take anything away from him for that. That's that's artistry right there and stuff like that. Now, if every single one of your rhymes was a reach and it kind of didn't rhyme and you're just saying a word weird to make it happen, that's a different story if you do that 500 times. It's the first time that he's done it on here, and I think he's done a pretty good job with most of the rhymes up to this point, aside from him taking that and shortcut, which he does do a lot, but he hasn't done yet in this second verse. And you also have never stressing A or guessing A or messing A around man B. Just turn up the system so the B could get pounded, B. So you have A, 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 B, B as a rhyme pattern there. You also have a round man and pound in, which is two syllables. So in four bars, you have seven rhymes, five of them being the same one, and all seven of them are two syllables. And including that dope line that he had about if the beats are salad on the dressing. 
So in four bars, you have really, really good stuff right there. Again, it's not amazing or mind-blowing, but the technicality is good here, and he throws in a dope line with it. So I would say right off the bat with those four bars, he's probably brought this back to an average song right there. And then if he could continue the rest of this verse the way that one is, then we'll be talking about something else here. So let's see where he goes. He says, Blasting out your radio, my vocal surrounding. Take a trip uptown and come back down in. Now, surrounding goes back to pounding and around man pounding, surrounding. And then he says in the next bar, take a trip uptown in, which is another one, come back down in. Now that ends in a run on bar. So you have surrounding, town in, down in, which is three two-syllable rhymes in the two bars. But then he ends that off with a run on bar that leads into, and kick it with the fellas, I call my Crusoe. I'm getting kind of fat like a big huge sumo, which I have a couple of issues with this rhyme. First of all, it's not a great line. I'm getting kind of fat like a big huge sumo. First of all, kind of fat and a big huge sumo are two totally different things. A, a sumo in general is huge. And then you're going out of your way to say like a big huge sumo, which it's really only said because of the syllables, because sumo and Crusoe is the, is the rhyme. So he didn't need the word huge to rhyme with anything. It's a little bit weird to me that you would say you're getting kind of fat, which is the, the amount of syllables you need. And then big, huge sumo as the same reference. Those are kind of, kind of contradicting to each other, but I do get the point that he's trying to make. But on top of that, it's really not a great line anyway. And if you look at the bars separately, he says, kick it with the fellas I call my Crusoe. And then he says, I'm getting kind of fat like a big, huge sumo. It doesn't really lead into each other great. It's a run-on bar because he really, it's just one sentence. What he wants to say is, I'm kicking it with the fellas I call my Crusoe. I'm getting kind of fat like a big, huge sumo. A lot of issues with those bars. It's a run-on bar. It's not really a great line. There's a little bit of a contradiction in the line somewhat to a certain extent when you break it down. You know, he only has the two rhymes and the two bars. They are two syllables, but those two bars right there are more bad than good. Not enough to totally take it down again from an average song, but not up to par with the four to six bars that were before it. Then he says, I figure that I'm due, and it's true, because you know, a rapper this nice or the clock mad, though. Now, he has, I figure that I'm due, A, and it's true, A, because you, A, know, B, a rapper this nice or the clock mad doe, B. So that's the second time he does the A-A-B-B-B rhyme pattern. He had an A-A-B-B, then he had an A-A-A-B-B, now he has an A-A-A-B-B again. So he is definitely showing an ability to do three, four, five rhymes in two bars, and he's definitely showing an ability to do things other than just A-A, you know, like that, but he doesn't seem in this song, again, this is why the song being scored in succession is a lot more important. In this song, he doesn't seem to be able to mix any of those letters or rhyme schemes up. We'll see if he is able to do that at any point in this song. I don't really remember particularly how much he did or didn't do that throughout the course of his career, but again, that's the benefit of listening to 100, 200 songs of these people in a row. You start to pick up on the patterns and the shortcuts and the things they're really good at and the things they're not so good at, and it makes it a little bit easier to score songs when you see him doing things that you know that he's not so good at. You, that's when you start taking points away. Oh, he's doing it again. He's having trouble with this again. 
when you start to see him do things that you know he's going out of his way to do on purpose, for example, every bar is a punchline. And that causes his rhymes to be a little bit random and bars not lead into each other great. Okay, he's doing that on purpose. He has other songs where his bars lead into each other fine. They're just not the greatest punchline bars. Then you have artists who are able to mix all these things together. So I just want to point that out again where I can only judge what I'm seeing in this song right now as I did Guru a long time ago. But he hasn't shown us the ability to mix those rhyme patterns up yet. So then he goes on from there with the clock mad dough. Not the stuff from the baker, but the loot, yo, the paper. I set up shop and drop gems and catch them later. So this is pretty interesting because the two bars before it, or the four bars before it actually ended with the syllable of O, the hard O sound. So then in this bar, he says, not the stuff from the baker, but the loot, yo, which goes back to so, sumo, no, and do. So it's a rapid this nice sort of clock mad dough. Not the stuff from the baker, but the loot, yo, the paper. It's odd. We just talked about him being able to mix up the rhyme patterns, and he does it right there. Because if you count the bars before it, it's, I figure that I'm due, A, and it's true, A, because you, A, no, B, a rapid this nice sort of clock mad dough, B. Not the stuff from the baker, C, but the loot, yo, B, the paper, C. I set up shop, D, and drop, D, gems and catch them later, C. So that's pretty crazy there because he does have a pretty crazy rhyme pattern in those couple of bars right after we just spoke about him not showing us the ability in this song to do that. So he turns around and he does it there. There's a couple of really strong bars from Guru. This verse is kind of quite the opposite of the first verse. In both verses, you've seen mostly two to three rhymes per bar and mostly two syllables on the rhyme, which is mostly good stuff right there. But in the first verse, you had run-on bars and something that didn't rhyme and a lot of the same shortcuts that took away from that. In the second verse, you have quite the opposite to where, again, you don't have amazing, ridiculous lines. We did have the one hard line in there. But again, you're seeing mostly two to three rhymes per two bars, and you're seeing mostly two syllables on the rhyme, but you didn't really have anything that didn't rhyme here. You had much less run-on bars, and you didn't have him take that shortcut over and over. He did it once here, but once is different than doing it three to four times in an eight-bar span. So it's been quite the opposite of the first verse. Then he goes into... Because I'm like keeping it moving, improving steadily, pumping kind of loud in your blazer or Cherokee. Again, pretty good lines here. He has, because like I'm keeping it moving, A, improving, A, steadily, B, pumping kind of loud in your blazer or Cherokee, B. So it's an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there, which is, again, different than just A, A on the bars. And now, while it's not A, B, A, B, it is four rhymes on the two bars. Two of those rhymes are two syllables. And the other two of those rhymes are three syllables. So again, way more good than bad in those two bars there, which has been the theme of this second verse. Doesn't matter what you drive, automatic or clutch, just pop in my tape because I'm much too much. Again, that's only the two rhymes in the two bars, one syllable on the rhyme. But the lines lead into each other well. They make perfect sense. 
And it kind of ends his verse off with the way that he obviously seems like he wants to end each of these verses off. I would assume he's going to do the same thing in the third verse. The song is called Much Too Much. He's ended each verse with saying, because I'm much too much. As far as the song score at this point, this is definitely back to a one for me. And I would say in the totality of the two verses, we're now at a point where we've had a little bit more good than bad. Where I felt like we had more, more bad than good in the first verse. And in the second verse, we had more good than bad. But I think when you put the two verses together, the totality of it has been more good than bad. So if he can kill this third verse, um, this would probably wind up being an above average song. So let's see where he goes with the third verse. So that verse was more similar to the first verse. Um, let's break it down. He says, I walk in the room, unload a boom that's like Sonic. My slick voice to the beat is symphonic. So he has, I walk in the room, A, unload a boom, A, that's Sonic, B. My slick voice to the beat is symphonic, B. So you have an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern. You have four rhymes on the two bars and you have one syllable on two of them and two syllables on the other two as far as the line itself i get what he's trying to say i walk in the room unload a boom that's like sonic he's basically saying you know i steal the attention of the room i'm not sure that it's the greatest way to say it i mean you know there is a sonic boom i do understand what he's trying to say but you unload a boom into the room I, it's that's just not really a great line my slick voice to the beat is symphonic. So symphonic basically just has to do with, you know, like all of her pertaining to like a symphony or a melody or something like that. So, I mean, that obviously makes sense. He's basically just saying his voice and the beat go great together and they, you know, they complement each other and they're symphonic and they, you know, they make melodies and rhythms and rhymes and things like that. So again, with the AABB rhyme pattern and two syllables on two of the rhymes and four rhymes in the two bars... It's not a bad line. It's certainly not going to take anything away from this, but it, it's it's not anything great or amazing. And then he says, To a biting MC, my lines are toxic and chronic. My mystical style is like harmonic. So he's basically saying that for people that want to take lines, like it, it's basically like me having a glass of poison and putting my drink down to go pee and you take a sip of my glass. So, you know, to biting MCs, my lines are toxic and chronic. My mystical style is like harmonic, which again, 
it makes sense. I understand what he's saying, but it's very similar to the line he said before. And just basically finding a different way to say the same thing. And it wasn't that great the first time that I think he needed to find a different way to say it again. Then he goes into, I've rarely had a difficulty slaying MCs because the ones who were toughest still begged on their knees. This is a pretty good line. Only one rhyme per ball, one syllable per rhyme. But they lead into each other well. They make perfect sense. And it's a pretty good line. He's, you know, he's basically just saying like, even the people, it's kind of like a Floyd Mayweather thing. Again, I, I like to use boxing comparisons because the whole name of the podcast is a boxing comparison. I'll use Floyd Mayweather as an example. I can't tell you how many times Floyd Mayweather won a fight fairly easily. And when I say easily, don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's no fight is easy. No fight is easy. You're getting in there, you're getting punched in the face and things like that. You could win 12 rounds to nothing. That doesn't really mean the fight was easy. When I say easy, what I'm talking about is he never was in any real danger of losing and the fight wasn't that close that anybody should be sitting here and saying it was a draw or he lost or there needs to be a rematch or anything like that. Um, the Pacquiao fight is really a perfect example. It's And there's other fights. Uh, the first Castillo fight is another example. I'm not saying that that fight wasn't very close. I do think that it was very close. But the problem with Mayweather is that he usually just fucking dominates so badly that anytime anybody wins a couple of rounds or he ever gets like a bloody nose or he ever gets wobbled. I mean, I think he got wobbled maybe four times in 50 fights. I think he had a bloody nose twice in 50 fights and I think he was cut twice in 50 fights. So it's like, when these things happen, it causes this mass hysteria where it's like, he's cut, like, he, he's cut, like, he's losing, he's going to get knocked out. And it's like, he's nowhere near getting knocked out. It's just that this is so out of the norm from him just outboxing somebody to a 12 nothing unscathed victory that we're getting hyped up now because he, he got a fucking bloody nose. I mean, he, he's still winning eight rounds to two at this point. It doesn't matter that his nose is bloody, so... It's kind of one of the one of those things where I think he's trying to say that even the people that were a little bit more of a challenge for me, like maybe an Oscar De La Hoya with Mayweather or, um, you know, the first Castillo fight or the first Maidana fight. It's like even those people who were quote unquote tough for me, I still fucked them up. Like even the ones who were toughest still begged on their knees. It's like not only has nobody beat me, nobody's even come close because even the people that were good you know, still gave their props to me sort of thing. So he goes into saying, and I wrecked the set with the greatest of ease and you know I'm swift like the breeze. So he has, and I wreck A, the set A with the greatest of ease B and you know I'm swift like the breeze B. This is really more of a lot of the same that we've seen in this verse where he's doing an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern but the bars themselves are not really that great. They're not bad. It's not that they don't make sense, but it's just not really like great lines. He's making a lot of comparisons where a boom that's like Sonic or I'm swift like the breeze. My voice on the beat is, is like a symphony. Just these random things where he's making these comparisons, but they're not great lines. They're not mind-blowing things. They're not carrying him where it's like, ah, it's a run-on bar, but that's an amazing bar. It's not really the case. Now, here's where he starts with the run-on bars and the shortcuts again, and it's the same thing that he did in the first verse. 
I'll never understand why a whack rapper tries and convinces himself that his image is so fly and that's the type of crap you know I ain't buying. Chumps lack the beats and their rhymes don't apply and that's why I've come into your life today just to make you sweat in my unique way. So that's six run-on bars in a row there where he basically uses the same cop-out and shortcut not only in all six of those bars, but also the same one, he had one in the second verse, and then he had like three in the first verse. So in just one song here, we're looking at 10 to 15 run-on bars, and you're looking at the same shortcut being used like eight, nine, or 10 times, which is crazy, because there's only 48 bars in here. So you're looking at a quarter of the entire song being run-on bars, and you're looking at nearly 100% of those run-on bars being the same cop-out and the same shortcut. So, again, I'm sure we're going to get more of the same. We could break these lines down. I'll never understand why a whack rapper tries and convinces himself that his image is so fly And He has why, try, and fly, which is the three one-syllable bars in the rhymes. You, you know, there's no way to get around the bars leading into each other well when they're run-on bars. This is all really almost one giant sentence that just goes on for six lines and there's nothing that special about it again there's nothing wrong with with those rhymes the rhymes are fine the lines are fine it's just that it's run on bar 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 and it's the same shortcut and the same cop out that's the type of crap you know i ain't buying so he has that's a the type of crap a you know i ain't buying b chumps lack a the beats and their rhymes don't apply and B. So you have an A-A-B-A-B rhyme pattern there, which is pretty dope. And you have a buying and applying, which again, it's the same two syllables as before. Tries and flies and buy and apply and. So you have that same rhyme pattern going on and you do have two syllables on those, but that's just because he keeps saying end. Tries and flies and buying is two syllables, but then you have apply end again. So, again, a bit of a facade here where it seems like he's doing something that he's really not doing, and that's coupled with a bunch of run-on bars. And then he says, that's why I've came into your life today, just to make you sweat in my unique way. Which, again, there's nothing really wrong with that line. It's not bad, but there's certainly nothing great about it. There's no run-on bar in those two bars. And he didn't use the same shortcut or cop out. But again, there's nothing special about that line. I'm controlling all action, dissing MC ducks. That's why everybody knows that I'm much too much. Now, I spoke about how he was probably going to want to end the verse off again with the same, you know, the same sentence of a much too much. In the first verse, he rhymed touch with much too much. In the second verse, he rhymed clutch with much too much. And then in the third verse... It kind of seems like a, a little bit of, of like, I don't know if you want to call it laziness or whatever the case is, where it's just, uh, you know, all action diss and MC ducks. That's why I'm much too much. It kind of just seems like he would have thrown in any word there, you know, MC pigs, MC this, MC that, whatever would have rhymed with whatever he was trying to end his verse with. So again, it's a little bit of a cop out there. And I think that while the third verse might not have been as problematic as the first verse, it was very close. I think overall in the song as a totality, 
it was kind of even. You probably saw a little bit more bad than good, as I feel like there was a little bit more bad than good in the first verse and the third verse. Uh, the second verse had more good than bad, but that's around an average song. I have no problem with somebody calling that an average song. I also have no problem taking away at least like a quarter of a point or so on there. Again, when listened to in succession, if there was two or three of those type of songs in a row where it wasn't one of his very popular songs, it wasn't an original song topic, it wasn't something where he like stuck to it or told a story or, you know, something like that. Just a random type song where the hook is just one word repeated and there's, you know, 10 or 20 run-on bars and he takes the same shortcut all the time in, in the song. Like I said, two or three of those in a row and I'm probably giving, you know, one of those a zero or so. But for right here today, I feel comfortable calling this song a one. But there were definitely things on there that you could have taken some points away for. I don't want to say that Guru was exactly like that on every song, but like I said... He did have a lot of run-on bars. He did do that a lot. But he did also have songs where he had a lot of run-on bars and it was warranted because he was murdering it. And it was like, who cares if they're run-on bars? The the lines that he's saying are, are heavily outweighing the fact that he's saying them with run-on bars. Again, you need separation. You need to have room for people who are not constantly using run-on bars and still having amazing lines and still having four to six rhymes uh, every two bars and still having two, three, four syllables on every rhyme and the bars are leading into each other well. And, you know, if I score someone like Guru an eight lyrically and then you have somebody who is not constantly using run-on bars, is able to constantly keep a topic, his lines lead into each other well, every bar, every other bar is a super dope line, there's at least four rhymes on, on every two bars, there's at least two to three syllables on every rhyme, I mean, well, what does he get then, a nine? I mean, there's only a one-point difference there between those two guys, so, again, I just want to point out where there needs to be room for separation, and that's that leads me into why I don't really want to give anybody tens because I, I don't want there to be no room for anybody to ever get any better. If somebody forces me to give them a 10 on something, then so be it. But I really don't think any tens or zeros are going to be given out anywhere in this study. Now that you got a little example of Guru and what he sounded like, let's get into what I wrote down when I was studying Guru. Guru seemed like a very intelligent individual who made some really strong points rather consistently. He was pretty smooth and did have some dope lines occasionally, along with most bars being multisyllabic, but he did have a lot of run-on bars. I did also feel that his first three albums were barely good at best. Most things were basic for the most part. He did pick it up though, as the last ten were all good albums, but he did tail off a little bit towards the end, so he kind of had a plateau of... The albums were still good, but just barely good. And then they went up to like a peak where, you know, they were all in that good range, but more, you know, good borderline great. And then kind of went back down to good borderline average. Guru put out a lot of work, 220 songs to be exact. Although only two of them were great, none of them were weak and another 36 were good. Guru was a model of consistency, but it almost seemed as if he didn't care to take it to another level. Guru didn't have the biggest mainstream impact, but any real hip-hop head knows about Guru, even Gangstar for that matter. He also had influences on artists such as Will Smith, Jay-Z, Memphis Bleak, Tupac, Biggie, Cannabis, J. Cole, and Lupe Fiasco. 
I gave Guru credit for always seeming to be respected as a genuine person by his peers and for never seeming to follow trends. More than that though was his ingenuity to be the first rapper to officially make an entirely jazz rap album which paved the way for its own entire subgenre that still exists today. Which I spoke earlier and said that we would get into his genres being listed as jazz rap. To my knowledge, he was like the first person to have uh, an album that was actually classified as a jazz rap album. Let's get into the math of, of Guru here. Lyrics, he gets a six. This was one of those occasions where it was like a six slash five and a half. He gets a six. Not saying he wasn't a six, but I just want to point out that he's a little more on that downside of a six. He was nowhere near being a seven. And honestly... The fact that he was able to even use that many run-on bars and still get a six it is actually pretty amazing. And it, it's it's a testament to how many strong things he did say sometimes. Where he had run-on bars, but there was four four-syllable rhymes in there. Or he had run-on bars, but what he said was just so amazing. Similar to like a Tupac where, did you ever stop to think? I'm old enough to go to war, but I ain't old enough to drink. It's one of those things where you didn't have to rhyme. You could have just said it at the beginning of the end of a song, or you could have just said it in conversation, and it would be like, fuck, man, you're right. Like, how did I never think of that? So Guru had a lot of things like that, and those were the type of things that carried him to get a six in spite of the fact that he did use uh, run-on bars a lot. Albums, he gets a 4.06 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a plus .09. As we spoke about, he did have a lot of songs, 220 songs, and only two of them were great, but he didn't have any weak ones, so he does get a plus there. But it's a very small number, you know, not even, almost a .1, but still a .1 in itself, still very small, so not much gain there or, or lost on the song score. Impact, he gets a 6.5. Now, like I said... It was a bit of a slippery slope, especially in this category for Guru, because you have that scenario where it's polar opposites. You know, people outside the hip-hop community really have no idea who this person is, and really big hip-hop fans hold him really high. So that in itself right there would probably lead him to be more of a five, five-and-a-half type guy with impact, but I, I thought I thought it was a little bit outweighed on the a little bit more heavier on the positive side. I think the number of people that are in the hip-hop community, especially artists themselves and big names, like I said, you know, Will Smith, Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie, you know, people like that where you have some really big artists influenced and not only just directly with their music as far as them taking lines or taking beats or taking, you know, song topics or things like that, but these people actually just vocally expressing it by word of mouth that like, hey man, Guru was fucking awesome. And the things like the Source magazine having him in, you know, the top 30 lyricists of all times and stuff like that. So I think Guru's impact, it, it's warranted that it's significantly above average. It's not huge. It's not seven and a half, eight, you know, nine, anything like that, you know, for your, your KRS-1s or maybe a Tupac or a Biggie or somebody like that that really had a tremendous impact. But I think it was a pretty good amount above average. And then originality, he gets a seven and a half. Again, that was a combination of a bunch of things. Um, you know, Guru didn't have that many, like, unique type of songs like some other people did. Like, I remember Jizza having some really, really unique song types. Um, you know, there's some people out there that really had songs that you were like, wow, like, 
I would never imagine anybody making a song about this. He didn't really have that so much, but his message was definitely not, you know, he wasn't a follower, man. He didn't, he didn't do things just because it was popular. He never sold out. He never was hypocritical of himself and had a certain message one day and then because he wanted to make money, you know, totally did a 180 on his message or anything like that. You know, that coupled with the fact that he's, if not the, one of the first rappers to really have an entirely jazz rap album and really have a very big hand in paving the way for an entire subgenre that still exists today. I mean, you know, you're looking at groups and artists that have made a killing off of the subgenre jazz rap. So his originality was pretty solid. He gets a seven and a half there. You add all those numbers up, you divide by five, and that gives you a final score of 4.83, leaving him in 23rd place of 117 artists done. Yay! Shout out to Guru. Like I said, I'm a fan of Guru, but all of that aside, just shout out to Guru. He cracks the top 25 here, which when all is said and done, Guru should most certainly be in the top 100. And like I said... That's one of those things where if you tell a person that doesn't really follow hip-hop to make a top 100, you probably won't have Guru in there. You're going to get a lot of just commercial mainstream names. But if you tell a person that's really into hip-hop to make a top 100, Guru's probably going to be in the top 50. So I had to factor in all of those things. I had to factor in all of them. And with my calculations, I again, little discrepancies I won't I won't bicker with anyone about. But I will bicker with you having Guru at 10 overall. Whereas I'm probably gonna have a more near, you know, 85 to 100. When this is all said and done, I'll have a stronger position on my stance. And like I said, Guru's score could change as they did have that album last year that I have to look into and see if it qualifies or not. But I do think that just looking at it now and again doing the average math, I, I do think that Guru should probably finish in that top 100 overall. So shout out to him, man. And again, rest in peace to Guru. Now moving on to Cool G Rap, who, like I said, was also in 1989, just came out after Guru. Birth name is Nathaniel Thomas Wilson, also known as G Rap, Cool Genius of Rap, and Giacana. Born July 20th, 1968 in Queens, New York City, New York, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, horrorcore, hardcore hip-hop, and gangster rap. And his years active are listed as 1986 to present. Cool G Rap has had stuff out uh, sporadically within the past decade or so. I think he probably had two things within the past decade. So a little bit more spacing there in his albums being dropped, but I do think he had something as recently as like 2018. So he definitely is still active. Um, it's been about two years now since he dropped anything, but the, the present status definitely warranted. And as far as the genres, you see four main genres listed there. Uh, horrorcore is something we really haven't touched on. Hardcore hip-hop and gangster rap, I believe... I'm not sure if they were listed for... Um, for NWA or not, but I, I definitely know that NWA was certainly, you know, hardcore hip-hop and gangster rap and stuff like that. I do think we have seen a couple of people with that either hardcore hip-hop or gangster rap thing, but G-Rap definitely one of the pioneers as far as, like, gangster rap and stuff like that. I'm actually 
Not sure why they don't have mafioso rap listed as a genre here. That should certainly be listed as he was one of the main pioneers for mafioso rap. So I'm going to take it upon myself to go ahead and throw that in there right there. But uh, let's get into a little bit of a background about Cool G Rap. Nathaniel Thomas Wilson, born July 20th, 1968, better known by his stage name Cool G Rap or simply G Rap, is an American rapper from Queens. He began his career in the mid-1980s as one half of the Cool G Rap and DJ Polo and as a member of the Juice Crew. He is often cited as one of the most influential and skilled MCs of all time and a pioneer of mafioso rap slash street slash hardcore content and multi-syllabic rhyming. On his album The Giacana Story, he stated that the G in his name stands for Giacana after the mobs to Sam Giacana, but on other occasions he has stated that it stands for genius. He has also been cited as a major influence to some of hip-hop's most critically acclaimed figures such as the Notorious B.I.G., Nas, Eminem, and Jay-Z, as well as many underground rappers. Now, I have a lot that I want to say about this background on G-Rap, and I, I G-Rap is another guy who... It was tough to come to a conclusion with this guy because it was really contrasting things that were going on with G-Rap. And I this was super original. This was very unoriginal. This was amazing. This was terrible. Things like that. So what I want to talk about here as far as this breakdown is how you're going to hear a bunch of discrepancies when you hear my breakdown of G-Rap. And right here, it states that he's a pioneer of multisyllabic rhyming. But artists like KRS-One, Will Smith, and Rakim were out years prior to him, and they were all very good with multisyllabic rhymes. Even uh, even Guru, who we just covered, came out prior, well, you know, in the same year, but prior, and it didn't say anything in Guru's background that he was a pioneer of multisyllabic rhymes. Now, again, I'm not knocking G-Rap, and I'm not saying that he wasn't a pioneer. What I'm more so trying to point out is that people like Will Smith, again, doesn't get that acknowledgement for something. He came out before G-Rap, and I heard no mention of him being a pioneer of multisyllabic rhymes. So I just want to point out how sometimes I do think that there is a bit of a bias with people when it comes to certain things and certain artists, and I want to point out that that's not going to be the case in my study. I'm going to call it the way I see it. If you're the first to do something, I'm going to say it. If you weren't the first to do something, I'm going to say that, regardless of whether I do or don't like you. Also, you see a bit of a discrepancy in the background there where it says on his album, The Giacana Story, he stated that the G in his name stands for Giacana after the mobs to Sam Giacana, but on other occasions, he stated that the G stands for genius. So, which is it? You can have it be both, hey, the G in my name stands for Giacana and genius, but why take something back? You understand what I'm saying? Why say it means one thing and then at another time say it means something else? Now, I want to point out the reason I'm bringing this up. I'm not trying to nitpick or shit on Cool G Rap, but Cool G Rap did a lot of things like this that kind of didn't make sense and contradicted themselves. So that's why I'm picking out this particular thing and pointing it out to you guys. Also, it lists a lot of big names and artists that he influenced, which I'm not disputing in any way, because most of those names that were listed up there were people that came out and vocally said that they were G-Rap fans or that G-Rap influenced or inspired them. So I'm not trying to say that this is a lie and he didn't inspire those people. 
but I do find it a bit odd how all of those artists that we named up there, probably aside from Nas, they named Biggie, Nas, Eminem, and Jay-Z. Biggie, Eminem, and Jay-Z, and really even Nas, because Nas took some lines and things from Shan. I'm not, Nas got a very great originality score, and I think Eminem is also going to get a very great originality score. But really, all four of those artists took a decent amount of material from other artists. Okay, Biggie took a lot of things from uh, Big Daddy Kane. Nas took a bunch of things from MC Shan. Eminem took a bunch of things from, I believe it was Rakim. And Jay-Z took a lot of things from everybody, particularly Biggie. But Jay trust me, Jay-Z took a lot of things from everybody. What I didn't hear any of those artists take was anything from Cool G Rap. Now, I haven't done Eminem and Jay-Z yet. I have done Biggie. I have done Nas. I'm very close to Jay-Z and I'm relatively close to Eminem as well. I have touched on them. I've done soundtracks that they, they were on and other songs and things like that. So I have started them, but I'm not done with their careers. So I'm not going to say that Eminem or Jay-Z never took anything from Cool G Rap. But I just find it interesting how I'm more than halfway done with all four of those artists. And I don't remember any of those four people taking anything from Cool G Rap. And they did take a lot of other things from a lot of other people. So it's just a little weird there again. With all that out of the way, because we will get into a little bit more of that when I do my breakdown of Cool G Rap. But before we do that, let's go to his list. Let's hit random, play a song. And this is from the Cool G Rap and DJ Polo days. The name of this song is Edge of Sanity. Okay, I want to pause it here because this is not a 16 bar verse. It's a long verse. There's not a bunch of run on bars here. So it's not really something that I, I don't want to stop at every two to four bars or anything like that. But I don't want to go too far without breaking any of this down. I want to say off the bat that I like this song a lot. Um, now, something that comes into play that I want to point out is as soon as this beat came on, I, I, I like this shit. He would have to suck on this song for me to not like it because not only do I like the beat, but I love the vibe. Like, this is just my kind of shit right here. I like that boom bap shit. I like really deep, kind of sad type of music. And I like this gritty, grimy, aggressive hip-hop shit. So, when that beat comes on, I'm like, oh, this is my shit right here. But that has nothing to do with how I'm going to score this song or any influence whatsoever on what type of score this song is going to get. As far as the words, he says, I'm on the verge of committing murder. My girl is getting on my last nerve and I don't want to hurt her. Dope line for a couple of reasons. Now he says, I'm on the verge, A, of committing murder. Now, 
I want you to pay attention to how he uses his flow and his words here because verge rhymes with murd and murder. So the way he's saying it, I'm on the verge of committing murder. So it's not that they really rhyme, but they flow well together. They fit in nice and you do have that one syllable rhyme in there, which leads into, he's telling you why he's on the verge of committing murder. My girl is getting on my last nerve again with verge and murd. My girl is getting on my last nerve and I don't want to hurt her. So you have murder and herder, which is two syllables on the rhyme. And then you have the way that he flows it all in with, I'm on the verge of committing murder. My girl is getting on my last nerve and I don't want to hurt her. So you kind of got that A-A-B-A-B rhyme pattern there where it's not perfect because verge doesn't really rhyme with murder, but it does rhyme with nerve and it does go into murder and herder and stuff like that. So really great job there on those opening two bars. Not only the way that he set them up, but the technicality of it with the rhymes that are in there and the rhyme pattern and stuff like that. Then he goes on to say, again, every bar explains the bar before it, which is great. I'm on the verge of committing murder. Why? My girl is getting on my last nerve and I don't want to hurt her. What's she doing? She wants me to get a job. I get harassed because I'm laying on my ass like a big slob. Okay, so this is what I mean when I say bars lead into each other well and make sense. This is the epitome of that right here. Now, I don't know if this would just yet be considered one full big story that he tells. We'll, we'll have to see where he goes with it. But again, this is the epitome of bars leading into each other well and making perfect sense. Now, that's just job and slob. You know, just one rhyme per bar, one syllable per rhyme. But these four bars are really dope right here. They lead into each other well perfectly and make perfect sense. You have that that crazy little rhyme pattern and the bunch of rhymes and the nice little flow on the first two bars. And then the next two bars are just kind of explaining the first two and lead into themselves well and stuff. And then he goes into, but everywhere I go, I get rejected. They won't hire a motherfucker with a jail record. Again, two good bars. It, it's nothing amazing, nothing mind-blowing, but there's been really nothing but positive shit. We have another two syllables on the rhymes there. First six bars, I have nothing but good things to say. So the least I could do is look presentable, but I'm labeled by the city as a criminal. Again, lines lead into each other perfectly well. Everything that he's said here has been on point with, again, I don't want to call it a story yet. We'll see if it turns into a story, but it's all made perfect sense. He's talking about the same exact thing on every bar. He's talking about how he's pissed off because his girl is driving him nuts. She wants him to get a job. He can't get a job because the fucking city looks at him as a criminal. And you have presentable and criminal, which is three syllables on that rhyme there. Then he says, they won't give me no slack, Jack. And I got one strike against me already because my skin is black. Again, just the one syllable on the rhymes, but he does have three rhymes on the two bars. The Jack is kind of just thrown in there to make a rhyme. I, I remember some other artists using that particular word. I think maybe Big L or maybe Jay-Z. Don't quote me on that. I'm trying to remember a lot of shit off the top of my head. But again, there's nothing wrong with it. He, but it, I just want to point out that he's just throwing in a random extra one syllable word, you know, Jack to kind of make an extra rhyme, which again, he did it. He made the extra rhyme. I just want to point out that it's nothing amazing. And he says... See, I'm irrelevant to help wanted signs, and they wonder why niggas commit crimes. 
That's one of those lines there again where I said like Tupac before. You ever stop to think I'm old enough to go to war but I ain't old enough to drink? Just think and drink. Just the two rhymes, one syllable. Same thing here. I'm irrelevant to help wanted signs and they wonder why niggas commit crimes. Just signs and crimes, one rhyme, one syllable on the rhymes. But how fucking hard is that bar? See what I'm saying? Like he's basically pointing out that you have these stores with help wanted signs up. So it's not even like I'm asking them to do me a favor. They're advertising that they want help. But I'm irrelevant to those signs. They're not talking to me. And then they wonder why we commit crimes. How the fuck I'm supposed to get money? How the fuck I'm supposed to succeed? When you are telling me that you're looking for help and you still won't take it from me, then what? So... A lot of good stuff here in in like the first half or so of this verse from Cool G Rap. He says, My girl pays the rent, gas, and light, goes to class at days, and works at night. So you have my girl pays the rent, gas, A, and light, B, goes to class, A, at days, and works night, B. So you have an A, B, A, B rhyme pattern there where, again, the bars make perfect sense. They lead into each other well. Now, it's only the one syllables on all the rhymes, but there is four rhymes and two bars, and you, he is able to mix it up, the A-B-A-B rhyme pattern. So again, very much more so good than bad on those two lines there. These all make perfect sense. They lead into each other well. He's definitely painting a picture. We'll have to see if it turns into a story story, but he's definitely painting a clear picture. He's been talking about the same thing the entire time. Just a lot of good things here. This is already above average right here from G-Rap, for sure. If the second half of this verse is as good as the first half of this verse, this song probably shoots up to a 1.25, possibly a one and a half right away. We still have two more verses. He still has the opportunity to tell a story. Still has the opportunity to keep the topic here. So if G-Rap murders the whole rest of this song, it's possible that we get our first great song here. Um, but let me not jump the gun. Let's see where he goes with the rest of the first verse. I'm trying to get some money I can handle, huh? But I ain't whipping a motherfucking janitor. Plus, I got my little nigga. And I'm trying my best to be the right kind of father figure. But my hands are starting to shake. I'm trying to hold my head because I'm beating for the 38. I'm picking up, man, fuck it. I gotta go out and hit the street and get some duckets. Looking for something to hit. I'm throwing my hood because I'm about to do some stupid shit. I step in the 7-Eleven. Come fast with the cash or get your ass sent to heaven. He must have hit the alarm because I was firing. Okay, so where we paused it before, he was saying um, about how my girl pays the rent, gas and light, goes to class at days and works at night. Then to pick off with what he says on the next shit, I'm trying to get some money I can hand to her, but I ain't with being a motherfucking janitor. So again, pretty good bars there. Like, I'm trying, bro. Like, I feel bad. I really want to help her out, but I ain't fucking degrading myself to do it. And not only is it a good line, not only does it make sense, not only does it lead into each other well, but it's hand to her janitor. So he's got another three syllables on the rhymes there. 
Then he goes on to say, plus, I got my little nigga, and I'm trying my best to be the right kind of father figure. So you got two syllables on the rhymes, and again, he's feeding off of what he said prior. He's saying, you know, I, I'm trying to get some money, I ain't whipping no fucking janitor, plus, I got a son, I'm trying to be the best kind of father figure, whatever. Um, nothing mind-blowing there, but he's just making a point of, again, this all stems off of not only the name of the song... But the very first line, the name of the song is Edge of Sanity, and the very first line is, I'm on the verge of committing murder. And he's basically named all the reasons why he's on the edge of sanity, on the verge of committing murder. Then he goes on to say, but my hands is starting to shake. I'm trying to hold my head because I'm reaching for the 38. So, he's saying, I'm trying to be the best kind of father figure, but I'm fucking shaking, man insinuate and I'm fucking trying really hard and it's getting harder and harder like I'm trying to hold my head and I'm about to reach for this fucking gun um you know for anybody that doesn't know he's talking about a 38 special gun it's a revolver you know I, I really just I'm really fucking tempted man to just grab the gun and go start fucking robbing people or whatever he leads into saying I pick it up man fuck it which is another example of the good type of flow where it's you know I pick it up, man, fuck it. I gotta go out and hit the streets and get some ducats. So you have fuck it and ducats, which is two syllables on the rhymes. And then you have the pick it up, man, fuck it. So it's kind of the same thing as in the beginning of when he said, I'm on the verge of committing murder, like that. Now, there's a little bit of give and take in this line because ducats is a little bit of a cop out to me. I mean... Ducats are very old coins, like gold and silver coins that I believe were worth like two something and one something like that. They weren't exact $2 or $1 and they're very old. You're talking about from like the 1500s and stuff like that. There are still like some things that exist nowadays. Like I'm not saying they don't exist, but nobody uses them. That's nobody's form of currency and it wasn't in the 1980s either. So I, I don't want to make it sound like, yeah, I know it's not, bro, but this is 30 years ago, this song. It doesn't matter. Nobody was fucking buying things with ducats. He basically is just using a different form of currency to rhyme because he wanted to say, I picked it up, man. Fuck it. The same way as saying, uh, I'm going to pick it up and stick it to someone's chin. Because what the fuck I'm going to do? I got to get some yin, which is an Asian currency. So it's like... You live in America, why would you be talking about getting an Asian currency? Well, obviously, because you just wanted something to rhyme with chin. So, again, that's a little bit of a cop out there, and I, I don't really like that. But, the whole rest of the verse has been amazing. You do have two syllables on the rhyme, and you do have, you know, the nice flow, and, and it leads into each other well, and it makes sense and stuff like that. So, I'm not going to give them too many problems for that. Looking for something to hit. I throw on my hood because I'm about to do some stupid shit. I step in the 7-Eleven. Come fast with the cash or get your ass sent to heaven. So, he's basically saying that, you know what? I tried, but I was pushed too far. I picked up my gun. I'm looking for something to hit. I throw on my hood because I'm about to do some stupid shit. You know, I'm hiding as much of my face as I can. I step in the 7-Eleven. A. Come fast. B. With the cash. B. Or get your ass. B. Sent to heaven. A. So, now we have... Two bars that continue on with this story, lead into each other well, make perfect sense, and we have an A, B, 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 A rhyme pattern, five rhymes on the two bars, 
and two syllables on two out of the five rhymes. So again, we're seeing something now where we have somebody who's consistently able to string together a whole bunch of different things. They're able to keep the topic. They're able to tell a story. They're able to have good lines. They're able to have multisyllabic rhymes. They're able to have A, B, B, A, or whatever their rhyme patterns are that are outside of the norm. So again, a lot of good things in this verse here from Cool G Rap. He must have hit the alarm because I'm perspiring. Because now I hear motherfucking sirens. Nothing amazing there, but just continuing on with what he's saying. Two syllables on the rhymes. I tried to run out 3,000 decent. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in a fucking precinct. Kind of the same thing as the, the lines before it. Just continuing on the story. Two syllables on the rhyme. For trying to feed a family. I need rubber walls because I'm falling off the edge of sanity. So, a great ending to that verse too. Because... He tells you what happened. He goes into why he's losing his mind, why he's about to commit a murder. Then he tries to basically say, I'm trying to not do it, but fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. And then tells you in detail exactly what he goes and does. And then ends it with saying that he gets caught. And he's basically saying, this is what I'm getting in trouble for, for trying to feed my family. You better give me rubber walls because I'm falling off the edge of sanity. Which you have family A, I need rubber walls B, because I'm fall, B, and off the edge of sanity, A. So you again, you got another four rhymes in the two bars. You got an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern. And you have two syllables on two of the four rhymes. All lead into each other well. All make sense. Now, that verse was certainly above average. To the point where I'm, I'm debating a 1.25 or a 1.5. Now, if he can keep this topic for the rest of the song that'll be another quarter point so you're looking at a one and a half 1.75 also quarter points half points or whatever depending on how much he kills the verse and things like that um and this is a pretty original song topic so that's another thing that you could possibly give points for now i don't know if he's gonna get out of jail and continue on with this same story whether he's gonna tell three separate stories one on each verse or whether he's just going to go into other ridiculous reasons why he's losing his mind. We'll have to see where he goes. But there's a lot of options here for him. And that first verse was was a well above average verse. Not really just based on like punchlines or things like that. But the technicality of it was super impressive. He had a lot of different complicated rhyme schemes in there. He had two syllables on most of the rhymes. Three syllables on a couple of them. Every bar led into each other well and made perfect sense. And he was able to keep the topic. So a lot of good stuff in that first verse. Let's see where he goes in the second one. What a fucked up night. And I'm mad because the cop put on a handcuff too fucking tight. Such a book in this way they sent me. So they could take a couple of pictures after they fingerprint me. Then they put me in a cell. And it was all full of niggas that was dirty and stinking as hell Four hours passed already, so now I'm yawning And I'm hoping to see the judge in the morning Finally they call my name and I get up for speed To appear before the judge and make a plea I saw the judge, he was a brother He said, out of your plea I said, not guilty, motherfucker Then I got kicked out of corpse into the alley Where they got all of these young brothers violent And all I seen was teenagers and brothers to slicing one another with straight razors. I saw the sticker, he was so tall. I said, yo, I gotta make this 
they put me back in population. I got dressed to hit the mess hall. Then when I came back, finally I got to make my phone call. My girl is bringing out the man in me. Cause she's yelling this shit while I'm hanging on the edge of sanity. So more really good stuff there from G-Rap on the second verse. I didn't want to pause that because you could see that he picks right up off with where he left off in the first verse. And this is clearly going to be at least for two verses a story. I'm assuming he's probably going to pick back up in the third verse and this is all going to be one big story. So I wanted to let that play as much as possible. And I'm going to try to go through as many bars as I can without stopping too much here so we can get the totality of the verse. He says, what a fucked up night. And I'm mad because the cop put on the handcuffs too fucking tight. Central booking is where they sent me so they could take a couple of pictures after they fingerprint me. So he's going on with the story here and he's got two syllables on the rhymes there. Then he says, Then they put me in a cell and it was full of niggas that was dirty and stinking as hell. I don't want to call it filler because it's not filler. But what he's doing here is... He's managing to keep topic and tell a story and the lines that he's saying that aren't amazing lines, they're still just filling in pieces to the story. So while there's nothing great or amazing about that line in itself and the technicality of it is just one rhyme per bar and one syllable per rhyme, it's still filling in and painting a picture and it's there's nothing bad about it. That's the thing is... His lines that aren't amazing lines, they're not shitty lines either. So it's not it's not give and take. You're really just getting all good or good, 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 good average or great, good, good, good average like that. So again, a lot more good than bad and he's done an excellent job with this story and keeping topic here. Then he says, four hours passed already so now I'm yawning and I'm hoping to see the judge in the morning. Finally, they call my name and I get up with speed to appear before the judge and make a plea. I saw the judge, he was a brother. He said, how do you plead? I said, not guilty, motherfucker. So, that's one of those things there again where you have yawning, morning, you got the two the two syllables on the rhyme there, then you got speed, plea, which is just the one, then you got brother, fucker, which is two, but he's continuing on with the story, telling a story, painting a picture, and... It's one of those funny lines where it, inv- it invokes emotion or it invokes a reaction in some sort of way. Like, how do you plead? I said, not guilty, motherfucker. And it kind of just makes you laugh or chuckle or, you know, whatever the case is. Even if you don't have a real external vocal reaction, it's one of those things where it's kind of funny the way that he says it. Or you can understand the vibe that he's p- trying to portray of, you know, again, I'm pissed off. I'm on the edge of sanity. Like, he asked me how I pled. I said, not guilty, motherfucker. And it's one of those things where it's said in a certain fashion where you can kind of get the point. He says, then I got kicked out of court, sent to the island, where they got all these young brothers wildin'. So, anybody that knows anything, the when he says the island, he's talking about Rikers Island, which is basically... I don't want to act like I'm I'm completely informed on the scenario. I've never been to Rikers Island. I obviously know what he's talking about, the island. And I also know that Rikers Island is basically a place where they send people that either can't post bail or don't have an option for bail or they're not sure where they're sending them yet or they're on trial and things like that. Um, Rikers Island is usually not a place where you get sent to like a long prison stay. 
is what I'm trying to say. You're not going to get sentenced to 25 years at Rikers Island, at least to my knowledge. That's what I know of Rikers Island. So basically, he's telling this whole story about how he's in jail, the cop with the cuffs on too tight. You know, he was thrown in a, in a cell with a bunch of dirty motherfuckers. He's been in there for four hours. He wakes up. He goes to see the judge. He says something stupid to the judge, and he gets kicked out of court and sent to Rikers Island where they got a bunch of young brothers wilding. And all I seen was teenagers and brothers just slicing one another with straight razors. So you got teenagers and razors, two syllables on the rhyme. Again, he's continuing the story on, makes perfect sense. And it's a pretty raw, vivid line. It's one of those things where, again, there's nothing amazing or crazy or mind-blowing about it like that. But he's painting that vivid type of picture of like, man, I'm watching fucking teenagers cut each other up with razors here. Like... Nobody should be in this fucking environment. Like, this is ridiculous. Then he says, I saw this nigga, he was stone tall. I said, yo, I gotta make a motherfucking phone call. He said, these whores are mine, and you ain't with it. And put his face all up in mine, so I hit it. COs came, niggas started to zing. Now I gotta do about three days in the bing. So that, you know, he goes on to tell a story of, I saw this dude, he was tall, and I said, I got to make a motherfucking phone call, which tall and call just one syllable on the rhyme, one rhyme per bar. But he's still telling this story. Well, making perfect sense. Bars lead into each other. Good and stuff like that. And anybody that's ever been to prison or jail. I mean, like I said, I had very minimal experience with that. And I can relate firsthand to what he's talking about. People don't want to come up off the phone. People either want to stay on the phone too long or they, they don't want to give up the phone and let somebody else talk or they don't want people using their phones, period, and they'll fucking stand there and, you know, even if they're not on it, nah, you ain't using it, shit like that. So then he says that the guy says, these whores are mine and you ain't with it. So basically saying, nah, you ain't making a fucking phone call. Like, whether I'm on the phone or not, these phones are mine refers to them as whores, you know, coming from like a pimp or whatever. Just a little bit of artistry there and a little bit of play on words, just a way to use it. Um, you ain't with it and put his face all up in mine. So I hit it. After he hits it, CEOs came, niggas started to zing. Now I got to do about three days in the bing. I did my time and now I'm back from vacation. Right on track, they put me back in population. So you got vacation, population, two syllables on the rhyme there. It's big words. Population is four, uh, four syllables, but only two of the syllables rhyme on the bar. Just continuing on with the story here. I got dressed and hit the mess hall. Then when I came back, finally got to make my phone call. So he has, I got dressed A and hit the mess A, hall B. Then when I came back, I finally got to make my phone call B. So he's got an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there. Four rhymes on the two bars, one syllable on all the rhymes. But what makes this really good is that six bars or so ago, he was in his story talking about how he wanted to make a phone call. And he didn't say anywhere, I never got to make my phone call. The story just kept going on. This guy told me, these are mine. You ain't with it. He put his face in mine, so I hit it. Now the guards came and put me in the bing. I had to do three days, um, you know, in solitary confinement uh, or the hole, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And then he basically says, I did my time and now I'm back from my vacation, you know, calling his three-day visit by himself in the hole of vacation. I did my time and now I'm back from vacation, A. Right on track, B, they put me back, B, in population, A. So you got an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern there. You have four rhymes in the two bars, and you have two syllables on two of the rhymes. 
So I did my time. Now I'm back from vacation. Right on track. They put me back in population. I got dressed and hit the mess hall. Then when I came back, I finally got to make my phone call. So he swings back all the way with what he was talking about before. About, I never got to make my phone call. I fucking hit this dude that was trying to guard the phones. I got locked up. Now I'm back. And now I finally got to make my motherfucking phone call. Then he says, my girl is bringing out the man in me. Because she's yelling and shit while I'm hanging on the edge of sanity. So what he's insinuating by bringing out the man in me is there's a lot of things that come with being a man and or maybe not, but socially there's a lot of things that come with being a man and being tough and being the protector and things like that are, you know, what most would consider part of being a a quote unquote a man. Um, But also we'll use that term kind of in a sense of like restraining ourselves like it's gonna take a lot for me to fucking control myself and hold back and not do this right now so he's saying my girl is bringing out the man in me really fucking testing me and pushing me because she's yelling and shit while i'm hanging on the edge of sanity like you're really fucking testing me right now and i'm trying to do the right thing but you're really really pushing me like i'm hanging on the edge of sanity here so let's see i'm assuming that he will continue on with this story in the third verse let's see if he can keep that up Let's see if it has any type of plot twist or crazy ending or anything like that. But as far as that verse was concerned, again, definitely more good than bad in that verse. I would say between the first verse and the second verse would probably be a combination of a half a point. Whether you kind of call that verse, that first verse enough to raise it a half a point, And then the second one, maybe uh, not quite so much because there wasn't as much great stuff in the second one as there was in the first one. The second one was a little bit more of continuing on the story and not so much like amazing lines. Um, But he did do a lot of good things in that second verse. I wouldn't have a problem with calling the first one slightly above with a quarter point. The second one slightly above with a quarter point. But like I said, I think between the first and the second verse, we're probably at about a half a point raised here for the song. the 
ready. So we do see the song take a little bit of a turn. Now, I won't say it's a crazy, crazy plot twist or a crazy, crazy ending, but I thought he did off bat before we get into breaking down this last verse. He did a tremendous job with that story just in itself. It was a good story. It kept your interest. It made sense. There was no discrepancies or anything in that story where you're like, well, what, what the fuck happened to his phone call? He never touched back on that or whatever. Everything made sense. Everything led into each other well. It was a good story. Again, it wasn't something insane that kind of blew your mind where you were like, fuck, I didn't see that coming. But he did get out of jail and he did go, you know, kill somebody and all that type of stuff. We'll get into the breakdown right now, but I just wanted to touch on that. I did think that he did a very good job there of telling that story. So he says, I'm sitting up north and doing three to nine and it feels like my whole life is being left behind. I'm going crazy in this place and I'm counting the days because I'm about to be a mental case. My little son is getting bigger and he picked up the phone one day and thought I was some other nigga. So now that's, again, where you have the first six bars or whatever it is, the first four bars, where they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. He's just continuing on the story. We got nine behind, just one syllable on the rhyme, one rhyme per bar. Then he's got place, case, same thing. And then he leads into, he spoke earlier in the first verse about how he was trying to be the, the proper father figure for his kid. So now we see that he did pick up the gun. He did go rob the 7-Eleven. He did get caught by the cops and stuff like that, and he is in jail, and now he states that he's he's up north in jail, and he's doing a three to nine, and now he touches again on something that he mentioned in the first verse, so again, going back to how the story makes sense, there's no holes in the story, he says, my little son is getting bigger, and he picked up the phone and thought I was some other nigga, now that's fucked up, that, I can't even, if this guy wasn't already going crazy, can you imagine calling home from jail to talk to your son? And you say like, yo, so-and-so. And he's like, hey, what's up? And calls you somebody else. I mean, that's that's just as bad, if not worse, as your girl calling out another name while she's fucking you. To me, it's probably a lot worse, actually. Now, that, that goes for me. I have a little bit of a different view on relationships and monogamy and that sort of type of thing as most other people do. So I'm not going to say I wouldn't care if my girl called out another name while we were fucking, but it wouldn't be the end of my world. Um, if my daughter thought I was somebody else, now, if I called on the phone and she thought I was my dad or something stupid like that, I wouldn't be offended. But if I'm in jail and I'm going to be gone for three to nine years and I call the house and the kid thinks his dad is some other dude because you got a dude coming over there while I'm in jail, I'm fucking tight. That's fucked up. And I'm fucking tight. So then he says, yeah, that bitch is trying to play me like a sucker because on the down low, I heard another nigga fucked her basically alluding to what I just said. It's not really just the fact that the kid thought I was somebody else. It's why the kid thought I was somebody else. So then he says, now homicide is on my mind. So that again relates back to the first verse because he's talking about I'm on the edge of sanity and then he explains why my girl's driving me crazy. I got no money. Nobody will hire me because I have a criminal record or because of the way that I present myself or whatever the case is like that, and basically it leads him to pick up his weapon, not to kill somebody, but to go rob a store to get money. Now here we are in the third verse, and shit's getting crazy, and now he's saying, now a homicide is on my mind. Now I'm just going to fucking kill somebody. It's not even about money anymore. There's not even anything behind any of this. This guy's in, in my house, you know, he goes on, now a homicide is on my mind for knowing that this bitch is at home screwing while I'm doing time. 
So he's basically saying, now I just want to fucking kill somebody because I'm sitting here in jail and she's fucking somebody else. And now this, my son is what calling this dude dad or whatever the case is. Now I just want to fucking kill somebody. As far as the actual bars and the breakdown, he says, now homicide is on my mind, A, for knowing, B, that this bitch is at home, B, screwing, C, while I'm doing, C, time, A. So you have an A, B, B, C, C, A rhyme pattern there. Now I know knowing and home is a little bit of a reach for a rhyme, but the way that he says knowing and the way that he flows the whole sentence he, he pulls it off, he makes it happen. So that may be the first time right there that we've seen A, B, B, C, C, A, which is pretty dope and very difficult to do. In the midst of these bars making perfect sense and it all being the same story, he's never deviated from this for a single bar. Then he says, and the nigga that's home hitting the skins is a bold motherfucker because he's one of my friends. So there's a little bit of a plot twist there where... It starts off where he does something bad because he wants money. Then it turns into a scenario where while he's in jail, his girl's fucking some other dude and his kid's probably calling him dad. Now he wants to go fucking kill somebody. So now it's taking a bit of a turn. Then you see a little bit more of a plot twist there where he says, he's a bold motherfucker because he's one of my own friends. So now he's stating that not only is all this shit going on, but it's my boy that's doing this shit. Then he says, but that's all right because I got something for the asses. And when I see him, I'm going to smash his fucking glasses. More and more good stuff here. These, these bars lead into each other perfectly well. The story is kept perfectly. And he has the three two-syllable rhymes on the two lines there with asses, smashes, glasses. So again, keeping the topic, lead into each other well. On point with the story. Three two-syllable rhymes in the two bars. Living in hell, but now my blood is getting cold. Two months later, I got released on parole. So now I'm rolling colder than a blizzard. I got some iron from my man and went to pay the stupid bitch a visit. I'm ringing the bell like hell. Oh, nobody's home, huh? So I kicked it till the shit fell. Stepped in the house with my finger on the trigger. Butter ass nigga studded. What's up, nigga? My bitch was scared because she knew that I was steaming. She ran her ass to the back and started screaming. Then you hear a gunshot, bang, to the body. Two more gunshots, bang, bang, to the head. Then another gunshot, bang, put the barrel in his mouth, making sure he's dead. All these bars lead into each other well. All continue on this story perfectly. Everything has made perfect sense. We've had three two-syllable rhymes on a couple of these bars. We've had... Somewhere it's just head and dead and stuff like that, but he's found a way in almost every bar to be either average or better, most times better. Then he says, and the police ain't canning me, which is a run-on bar leading into inside a cell because I just fell off the edge of sanity. So we have one run-on bar throughout the whole song, really, um, which is not a problem. Again, there's there's not anything really wrong with run-on bars. It's just that... It is definitely easier to create the rhyme when you use a run-on bar, but you could still use a run-on bar and have a dope line. You could still use a run-on bar and not lose points for it because you're not doing it every line the way that uh, that Guru was. And you're not using the same cop-out or the same shortcut every line the way that Guru was like that. Andre 3000 is another one that constantly uses run-on bars. Now, he did have some dope lines, Andre, but not enough to outweigh the amount of run-on bars that he used for the most part. Cool G Rap is not one of those people. This is not even a normal 48-bar song. 
I didn't count them, but to be quite honest with you, this is probably closer to 96 bars than it is to 48. It may be somewhere in the middle, but it's certainly way more than 48. And, you know, one run on bar out of 48 bars is definitely not a bad ratio. And the line is pretty dope anyway, because again, they, they make perfect sense. They tell the story, they end the story. And he ends it in a cool kind of way where he says, I just fell off the edge of sanity instead of saying that I'm falling off the edge of sanity. So the whole song was basically this story about I'm trying to get money for my girl. I'm trying not to rob people. I'm trying not to get caught. I'm, you know, I'm trying this. Now I want to commit a fucking murder. Then he goes, he kills this dude. His girl's running and screaming, scared and shit. Now I just fell off the edge of sanity. What's up? Now I'm gone. On top of it making sense and being a pretty decent ending in, for the for the end of his song, the fact that he has a run-on bar is definitely negated by the rhyme pattern that he uses because he says, and the police ain't canning me, A, inside a cell, B, because I just fell, B, off the edge of sanity, A. So he has an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern, and he has canning me, sanity, which is three syllables on the rhymes there. So even though it's a run-on bar, still more good than bad on just those two bars by itself right there. I would say that each verse could certainly get a quarter of a point for being above average. So that's a 1.75 on the song right there. It's an original song topic. That's a two. He told a story that had a pretty good, pretty decent twist and ending on it. So that's probably a 2.25 right there. So... To be fair, I would say overall, this song is probably between a two and a three, which is between a good and a great song. I lean more towards a two here. I wouldn't lose my shit if somebody said this is a great song. I really wouldn't. I, you could call it a great song. Again, by itself, right here, right now, I'm going to call it a two. But a lot of really good stuff here from G-Rap. I, I actually, this is one of those instances where... What I'm saying kind of bugs me a little bit because this this really is a good song. I you know I almost wish there was like an in between where I could say this is a very good song in between a uh, you know a good and a great song. But like I said, I wouldn't have any issue with somebody calling this a great song. You could certainly make that case. Again, I'm gonna call it a good song for right now because just just it being by itself and just the technicality of it off the top of my head and stuff like that. I don't want to go ahead and say, man, that was a fucking three. Because trust me, um, you know, I can't guarantee that they're going to get played when I hit random on somebody's list. But I'm telling you, I've gone through many songs where the song ends and you're like, that is the epitome of a three. So hopefully when we hit random one day, we do get one of those songs from somebody. But I, I don't want to make it sound like this is the epitome of a three. You could make a case for this song being a three, but I, I feel safe calling it a two right now. It bugs me a little bit because... I did really like that song and I did think that he did a tremendous job with a lot of different things on that song. So when I just hear it and I want to score it, I'm inclined to call it a three. But when I really break it down and look at it, I think it's probably closer to a two than it is to a three. With any type of commercial success or popularity, that song is easily a three. I mean, if that's a song where, you know, like Biggie Hypnotize or... Um, Furious Five, Don't Push Me Because I'm Close to the Edge, or something like that where everybody knows the song and it was that good and that story and all that type of stuff, I, I would say, listen, you really almost have no argument but to call this thing anything other than a three. That wasn't particularly with the, the case with this song. As I said, G-Rap and Guru didn't have a tremendous amount of commercial success, so 
G-Rap probably didn't have that many songs that really started off above average. I mean, he definitely had some, but, you know, not not a person like a Biggie or somebody like that where, I mean, pretty much every song that you play, everybody knows. You know, there's probably almost the same amount of songs by Biggie that everybody knows. He only had, like, you know, 40-something songs maybe altogether or 30-something songs. I would say close to half of those were probably extremely popular songs that a quarter of the people that are not even hip-hop fans would all know, and then probably 50% of all hip-hop fans would know right off the bat from hearing the first beat in a Biggie song. Oh, that's that's whatever. You know that song. G-Rap didn't have as many things like that, nor did Guru, but I just want to point out where there's, there is there is room to grow. Again, I wouldn't argue if you called it a great song. I would kind of give you the... You know, I think it was a little bit more of a good song than a great song, but that's not something that I'm going to sit there and debate and argue with you. I would really have no issue with calling that a great song. With that being said, I mean, I'm, I'm happy we had that for a lot of reasons. One being basically because it was different. We haven't really had a song like that that was so many bars and so many multi-syllabic rhymes and a good story with a, a bit of a twist in it and an a b b c c a rhyme pattern and a b a b and just there was just a lot of good things in that song there really was and it was different um we haven't had a song like that on here yet and you did get to see some of the better things that g-rap did like i said there was give and take with g-rap not necessarily lyrically but more so with like his style and his approach and his uh, his image and his persona and stuff like that, which we'll get into right now. But I thought that was really a great example right there with that song of something that we hadn't seen before and something that was certainly well above average to the point where we were able to point out a lot of really good things in that song. So now that you heard that, let's get into my breakdown of G-Rap, which I, I'm... I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for it, but it is what it is. And, you know, let's talk about it. G-Rap is a bit of a slippery slope. You have people that place him way up high and people that place him nowhere. And I don't really think either of those things is really fair. He certainly rhymed a lot of words per bar and had some tremendous punchlines as well as multisyllabic rhymes and the ability to keep a topic, leaving him pretty well above average lyrically. Of his 10 albums, 9 were good and 1 was average. Although technically I never really scored a great song out of 130, he also only had one weak one, and a lot of good ones. Unless you're a true hip-hop fan, his name certainly isn't one that most are familiar with, but he did have influences on The Locks, Nori, Big L, and Jay-Z, and if you ask other rappers, KGR is one of the greats. A particular pet peeve I had with G-Rap was how early in his career he seemed to hate Italian gangsters calling them guineas and wops and then later on in his career calling himself the Rap Giacana and almost modeling himself, his lines, and his stories off of the same people that he earlier seemed to despise. I'm not sure why someone would do this and although it isn't very original personality-wise, it was in hip-hop as he was one of the main rappers to pave the way for an entire subgenre mafioso rap. His sound was relatively unique, but his image wasn't, and most of his songs were mainly about the same things over and over again. So, again, a bit of give and take there with G-Rap. We spoke about the mafioso rap earlier. We spoke about how he said it was from a mobster, Sam Giacana, and then later he said it wasn't. It stood for uh, 
genius or something like that. And I saw when now I don't know how many people noticed this. I don't know how many people sit down and ris- listen to 10 G rap albums in a row from beginning to end and notice how in the beginning it's fuck these guineas, fuck these wops and this and that, you know, and then later it's I'm the rap Giacana and uh, mafioso rap and stuff. It, it was just very odd to me. And I could tell you this, man, if mafioso rap had been around in hip hop long before G rap, he would have got a pretty low score for originality. Um, not, you know, not a two or anything like that, but it probably would have been closer to a four, four and a half. And the only reason that it really would have been that high was because of songs like you just heard where he did do, you know, a couple of things to where he had a handful of songs that were kind of original. But as I stated, you know, he had 130 songs and probably over a hundred of them were basically about the same thing. So he wasn't very versatile when it came to that. Again, his sound was relatively unique, but his image wasn't and stuff like that. So there was just a lot of give and take and a little bit of confusion, I felt, when I was studying G-Rap, where I just didn't really understand. You know, it was it was original to hip-hop, but it wasn't original as a person or an artist. It was actually the opposite of original, where not only are you copying something from somebody, but you're copying something from somebody who you openly stated you disliked in, in the beginning of your career. So I thought that was a little strange and I think it's probably something that's overlooked when it comes to G-Rap because never have I heard anyone say what I just said. I've heard people praise G-Rap and I've even heard people shit on G-Rap. You know what? I shouldn't say shit on G-Rap. I've never really heard anyone shit on G-Rap, but I have heard people just kind of, man, you know, when I bring up cool G-Rap, it's either who's that or, eh, you know, I don't really have too many thoughts on cool G-Rap. I don't like him or dislike him. But I've never heard anybody say, yeah, I mean, lyrically, G-Rap is dope. But I mean, what was up with him shitting on Italian gangsters and then copying their style in the, later on in his career? Or what was with this and then he did that? Or, you know, yeah, G-Rap was dope. But I mean, almost every song was about the same thing. I don't really ever get these descriptions from people about G-Rap. So I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of shit for it. But again, I'm just calling it like I see it. I didn't make this shit up. I'm not making up that he that he did these things. So, I mean, to dispute it to me is really stupid. If you want to turn around and say that other things carried him, hey, I I won't really disagree with you. He was definitely very good in some areas. I just think there's a lot of give and take when it comes to G-Rap. Into the math of what I just read to you. Lyrics, he gets a six and a half. Um, I want to point out how earlier I said Guru was like kind of like a six, but closer to a five and a half than a six and a half. G-Rap is a six and a half closer to a seven than he was to a six. So lyrically, G-Rap was definitely dope. We saw that in that song. And like I said, we didn't see that many amazing lines in that song. But technically, we saw a lot of good things with different rhyme patterns, multi-syllabic rhymes, two, three, four rhymes per bar, stuff like that. So again, lyrically, G-Rap was well above average. Very good lyrically. Albums, he gets a 3.89 with zero classics. That really, honestly, that score mainly alludes to his lack of popularity and his lack of versatility in songs. He didn't have that many songs where he got points for it being super original. He didn't have that many songs where it started off above average just based on its popularity alone. So where he didn't have any great songs um, and he did have a fair amount of good ones, those good songs were mainly just carried to good songs 
off just the fact that he killed them lyrically and nothing else. So while his album score isn't great, it's pretty good considering the fact that he didn't have much popularity and didn't have that many original type of songs. So his numbers were carried basically based off just lyrics alone, which is fairly impressive. Songs, he gets a minus 0.08, which again is less than a tenth of a point. So that means almost nothing. He's almost even on that. But he just had the one song that I would consider weak and didn't really have any that I considered great or else that would have been evened out. Impact, he gets a six, which you can go right back to what I said about Guru with this. Um, It's kind of the same scenario where... When you talk about their mainstream success and their commercial success and their popularity outside of hip-hop and things like that, it wasn't really there. But when you talk about other artists who state that, hey man, G-Rap is amazing or, you know, I took a lot and I learned a lot from G-Rap and he was a big influence for me, there was a lot of that. So he didn't have as many big names who took stuff from him as Guru did. He also, you know, I wouldn't say had quite as much of the general popularity as Guru had. Now, he gets the better lyrical score, and I'm not saying that he gets slaughtered in this category, but I gave Guru a six and a half, and I gave G-Rap a six as far as impact, because, I mean, DJ Premier has gone on to be one of the most famous hip-hop producers of all time, and in, in my opinion, he's the best hip-hop producer of all time, but that is nothing but personal preference and opinion for me. I have no accolades or studies or anything that in any way, shape, or form lead me to have an argument or a debate with anybody about why DJ Premier is the best hip-hop producer of all time. He just happens to be my favorite. But, that being said, uh, not that no one knows who DJ Polo is, but DJ Premier is certainly a more renowned and more infamous DJ in the hip-hop world. So, I, I don't think that Cool G Rap and DJ Polo had quite as much success as Gangstar did. And I also thought that Guru had a little bit more names on his list and he had some really big ones. I thought it was just enough to just carry him just to a six and a half, but hardly any difference there from either of those guys. And then with G Rap for originality, I gave him a six, which that's really the biggest difference there between G Rap and Guru. Um, Guru was a lot more original in a lot of ways. You know, Guru's image was a little bit more original than G-Rap's. G-Rap was just, you know, your typical hood gangster rapper, you know, with the fitteds and the big chains and and stuff like that. Um, Guru was a little bit more unique. Now, his image wasn't original. You know, it wasn't original the way, like, people wear, you know, uh, Bismarck E wore a shower cap. It wasn't original like that, but it was original for a rapper. You didn't see a lot of a lot of rappers really dressing the way that Guru did and stuff like that. Also, you have the scenario where, where Guru kind of creates his own subgenre of jazz rap. Now, G-Rap kind of created his own subgenre also of mafioso music, but... We talked about how that was a bit of a double-edged sword with the mafioso music because he was basically shitting on that type of stuff early in his career and then turned around to pave the way for a subgenre in which he was essentially shitting on earlier on in his career. So while he does still get credit for paving the way for that, that subgenre, it's not as clear as Guru's 
subgenre of jazz rap, whereas Guru was really the first rapper to have an album that was classified as jazz rap. And that was more of Guru's style. That was more of his sound. And he just fed off of that and went into jazz rap albums where G-Rap kind of shit on this stuff and then did a 180 and kind of created it. Oh, you know what? Like, I've been shitting on these Italian gangsters, but people really seem to actually like Italian gangsters a lot. Maybe if I blend rap music and Italian gangsters, we got something here. Which, again, that, you know, all credit to him for coming up with that and pulling that off. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but I just don't like the fashion that it was done in. And I think, you know, Guru's was done in a little bit better, smoother, truer, realer type of fashion. So I just thought that was one of the biggest separations really there was the originality. Where Guru also didn't have this aggressive, I'm gangsta, I'm gutter, gonna fuck you up type of thing. Guru was a little bit more positive with his rhymes. You know, we spoke about how his name was a backronym for, I, I don't remember what it was at this point, but it's ironic that his name is Guru because that's kind of the vibe that he had of like a guru, like a rap guru where, you know, like a KRS-One, like I'm gonna feed you a little bit more positive things to uplift you rather than talk about killing you and stuff like that. So... A little bit of a gap there in uh, in the originality score, which is which is mainly what carries Guru as far as comparing him and G-Rap. But you add those five numbers up, you divide by five, it gives you a final score of 4.46, which leaves him in 49th place of 117 artists done. Now, I know that probably sounds pretty bad. It's really not. It, you know, he's in the top half, and... I think people are just really going to flip out about 49th and you're only a quarter of the way through. What is he going to finish 200 overall? I think he'll probably be closer to 150 when all is said and done. But hey, listen, I'm sorry, man. There, you know, there's guys out here that have the total package. They're super, super original. Their impact was fucking through the roof, both commercially, artistically, with other rap artists, etc. They had countless number of great songs. They had classic albums. They had great albums. Um, they get an eight, nine, lyrically, stuff like that. You got to understand, man, not everybody can be top 50. So while I do think that Cool G Rap is great, especially lyrically, overall, it was really just a little bit above average in like every category. Um, you know, his best asset was lyrically. He was almost up to a seven lyrically. The rest of the stuff, you know, albums, I mean, again, they were good, but not too far above, you know, above average. Just just good albums. Um, didn't really have any great songs. Like I said before, I wouldn't mind you calling that one a great song. I, I wouldn't mind you turning around and saying, oh, Cool G Rap had a great song or two. All right, cool, bro. So take the minus .08 off of his score. He probably moves from 49th to 48th. So, like I said, this is why... I won't have a giant discrepancy with you turning around and saying, ah, you know, I got G-Rap more like 40. All right, cool, bro. Nine slots. I, I'm not going to sit here and fucking take your head off and moving G-Rap up nine slots. But there are people who got G-Rap as one of the greatest rappers of all time. I have a fucking major issue with that. G-Rap is not a, a top five or ten rapper of all time. And not only in my opinion, but sitting down and breaking down the technicality of it, I, I just... You know, I would be interested to see somebody make this case. I would be interested to see what scores they disagree with that I gave him. Is it lyrics, six and a half? I mean, I didn't think, 
he was better than like Biggie and certain people like that who got similar scores. Is it impact? You're going to you're going to tell me he had a giant impact? I mean, with a lot of other artists, yes, he did. But with the commercial mainstream success and people outside of hip-hop and people actually taking his lines and taking his beats and, the, you know, the way that they did for Slick Rick, no way it wasn't there. You know, are you going to tell me he was super, oh, he was super original? He was the first with the mafioso rap. Eh, not really. He was relatively original. Yes, he paved the way for mafioso rap, but look at the way he came to do it. He super contradicted himself. And his, there was really nothing original about his image. Didn't have that many original type of songs. You know, his message wasn't really that original. It was just aggressive, stuff like that. So, you know, I, again, I would love to see what people would have where, I mean, in order for you to move this guy, if I got him finishing 150 and you're talking about G-Rap being a top 10 finalist, I mean, bro, where is he making up for those 140 slots? Tell me. Because... I would love to hear it. You would have to give him at least an eight lyrically, an eight on impact, and an eight on originality to even have any hope of coming anywhere near that top 10. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even think changing those scores to that number would put him in the top 10. So I, I don't know where people are getting it from. I don't know what their argument for it is. Again, if anybody has a discrepancy with what I'm doing, you're more than welcome to come on any show and have the discussion with me. But again, I would appreciate if you study this person and bring facts to the table. Don't just sit here and tell me G-Rap was fucking dope, bro. He's not number 49 of 117 people. Okay, cool story, bro. Like, I, you know, that's your personal opinion. That's your personal preference. You're, you're not able to put your emotions aside and actually sit down and break down what somebody was doing. If you can... And you come to a drastically different conclusion than me? Good, we could sit down and talk about it. But until then, G-Rap, 49th place of 117 artists done. We'll see where he finishes after all this is said and done. Let's get into the top 20% list that we go over every week. As I said, with the rest of the 80s, we're going to just stick to the 20%. We're going to close out with that. So we do have a little bit more artists done this week than last week, but not enough to where it's going to add to the number of artists done here so the 20% still stays at a top 8 and our current top 20% final list reads as following in the top slot we have KRS-One who is in 6th place of 117 artists done behind him we have Slick Rick who's in 8th place of 117 artists done directly behind him in ninth place we have Rakim behind Rakim we have Rev Run of Run DMC who's in 12th place of 117 artists done Directly behind him in 13th, we have LL Cool J. Behind LL Cool J, we have Will Smith, who's in 15th of 117 artists done. Just behind him, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube, who are tied for 17th place of 117 artists done. So just to run off that top 20% of our artists covered so far, we have at the top KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rockham, Rev Run, LL Cool J, Will Smith, DMC, and Ice Cube. So there's our top 20% right now. Here's our current top 10% lyrically. In the top slot, we have KRS-One, who gets a lyrical score of 7. And then behind him, we have a three-way tie for second place, where we have Will Smith, Rockham, and Cool G Rap. Big Daddy Kane and Slick Rick were in this slot with sixes. They're booted out for now. We'll have to see if they can find their way back in because this is going to stay at a top 10%. So every week this list is going to get a little bit longer. So next week, you know, maybe we have 
a little bit longer of a list. Now, if somebody else gets a six and a half or higher, Slick Rick and Big Daddy Kane are not going to find their way back in here. But if next week we have people with lower lyrical scores who don't crack the top 10% lyrically, it's possible that we do see people make their way back in. So I just want to point that out. Just to run over it again, your top guys lyrically right now, your top 10%, we have KRS-One by himself in first place with a 7. And then we have a three-way tie for second place with Will Smith, Rockham, and Cool G Rap. Again, not trying to shit on Will Smith. His name is at the top because he was the first one to come out. But definitely a gap there where Rakim and Cool G Rat were a little bit more closer to a 7. And Will Smith was a little bit closer to a 6. So Rakim and G Rat, definitely better lyricists than Will Smith. But they all belong in that 6.5 range. So we have them in a 3-way tie for 2nd place there. If you'd like to see any of the full list, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast. Everything spelt normally. You can give the host site a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. Again, everything spelt normally. Um, there is a donate button on my host site. Would greatly appreciate anybody that donates anything and also greatly appreciate anybody who's tuning in with me, especially the guys that are tuning in week after week. I see you and I appreciate it. Um, but that's really it, man. I mean, that concludes episode 18 there. We'll be back with episode 19 next week. We have Special Ed and Jazzo. So those are two guys that were certainly a little more low-key or behind the scenes and known by more avid hip-hop fans and not necessarily the huge commercial success. Kind of similar to these guys today. I won't say that they really had the dominant impact on other artists the way that G-Rap and Guru did, but it, it is interesting because we do have two guys here who I, I'm not going to call them underground, but they didn't have great commercial success. So we'll we'll see if other things that they were able to do could make up for that lack. I'm always intrigued to see where guys without huge commercial success fit in. Because it's interesting to see if they can kind of make up for that hit enough in other areas to where they carry them to the top anyway. Just the same way as I, I think a guy like ODB is going to be very interesting. Where I expect ODB to have a very low lyrical score. And we're going to have to see if his originality and his impact can carry him to being a top guy anyway, even though he clearly wasn't a lyricist. So I'm very intrigued when I get guys like that. I'm also very intrigued when I think I have guys who are the full package. And I'm I'm curious to see, is this it? Is this the fucking guy that finishes number one? Because this guy is incredible on all accounts. But can we go another 30 years without anyone topping them? So interesting things coming up here. Um, again... That's episode 18. I will see you next week for episode 19. Tail of the Tapes podcast. Peace out. Tail of the Tapes. Might as well.